You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Noah Haynes is at the controls back at uh, our flagship station, Tide 100.9, WTBC 1230. Joining us right off the top, let's just knock it out of the park. Let's just go Lou Gehrig with a grand slam here. We go to Eli Gold, the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Eli, I hope that you are well. How are things in your life? You feeling good? I know one thing. You sound great. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Everything is good. Uh, just taking a break here, took a, a nice shower, and then I've got this interview, and then I'll get back to working on my notes uh, for the Iron Bowl before heading to Tuscaloosa and doing the Nick Saban show tonight. We normally do it Thursday, but obviously with tomorrow being Thanksgiving, we've moved it to this evening. So uh, a busy day, but that's good. I, I like to work. Yeah, no kidding. And it just really makes everything wonderful. It's a great week. I want to just step away from the game just for a question and a half here. Sure. Give me Brooklyn Thanksgiving. Brooklyn Thanksgiving? Yeah. Well, it was, did, you grow up, did you grow up in Brooklyn? Oh, yeah. I lived in yeah. Brooklyn for 23 right. years. Um, it was just an, an, a normal day. Uh, I had no brothers and sisters, so uh, occasionally an aunt or an uncle would join us. But we have turkey, and, and, and my mother made this great cranberry sauce, uh, fresh cranberries with orange pieces and what have you, and pieces of walnut and what have you. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, you know, and half the time, quite honestly, I wasn't there. I spent something like, I don't want to I want to say like six or eight Thanksgivings in a row on the road doing hockey. I was in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Johnstown was like, um, well, that was in the league of, you know, the league that the movie Slapshot was made about. Awesome. And um, Johnstown was like the Cowboys or the Lions in that they were always home on, uh, on Thanksgiving. And I don't know why it was, but uh, we always ended up playing in Johnstown on Thanksgiving, and so I was gone for a lot of those Thanksgivings. So, uh, you know, that's that's how it was. But when I was home, we had a normal Thanksgiving day. Um, I, I We would watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Never did go down. You know, I went, I've been to Times Square on New Year's Eve to see the, the ball drop, but I've never been to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It was always just so much better to watch it on television. But uh, that was the, the routine. Nothing nothing out of the ordinary, really. Eli, I know when you were growing up, you watched, the, by the way, the, the Jamestown, that, that, that uh, the hockey with slapstick and everything. I never knew that, and I've known you for 40 years. Uh, that's very cool. But uh, yep. moving towards the rivalry, do you remember watching it on TV when you were younger? No. To be quite honest with you, I didn't. You know, of course, that was in the days before cable. So, uh, heck, those were in the days before color TV. So, no, I never really watched college sports. We didn't get much of it. Uh, you know, I did see the occasional opening to a game uh, with with, uh, with Keith Jackson signing on with 
with whomever he was working with, Frank Broyles or whomever it might have been. But, you know, New York City was a pro sports town. And growing up, you know, I was a fan of uh, the pro sports franchises uh, of, all, of every sport. So um, college sports really had very little, if any, uh, uh, attention getting. I mean, even on the, the day after the ball game, even after the, on the day after an Iron Bowl, there'd be a, a little paragraph in agate print, which Lars understands. Uh, agate is that small print uh, and that they would use for box scores and so on. <clears throat> they would have a small cover, a small paragraph about, you know, Alabama and Auburn playing at Legion Field, and, and then that was that. So I, I really didn't watch it when I was a kid growing up. Eli, given the health uh, issues, to put it mildly, that you experienced, uh, what has this year been like for you on a personal level? Just being well, fans around you and, you know, just uh, again, is it? have you kind of savored this year more than... Oh, most? I have. I have. This year, you know, going into the booth and being on the air was the best medicine I could have had. The best medicine. Seeing everybody, seeing the players, the coaches, going to practice, um, you know, just being there and being on the air was the best medicine I could have had. You know, seeing the fans was unbelievable. I couldn't walk, you know, I couldn't walk a stride or two without, hey, Great seeing you, Eli. We're glad you're back. God bless you. This, that. I mean, it was just unreal. So it, this year has been so very, very special. And uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled uh, that I was able to get back. Um, it, it's just been a, it's been a good year. It's really been a, a great year to get back to work and, and be with our, my friends in the booth and our friends in the press box and at the university and, uh, you know, doing the talk show with the coach. I mean, it, it's been wonderful. Eli, what was the first Alabama-Auburn game you broadcast like? It was 1989. Oh, the yeah, that's right. Yeah. The first Alabama-Auburn game I did, well, actually, the first Alabama-Auburn game I did was a basketball game in 1988-89 season. My first Alabama-Auburn football game was in 1989. Do you remember, I mean, what I'm asking you if you remember, the, the sky was orange and blue because they shook their shakers so much. It yeah. was absolutely incredible and players and coaches I've talked to just said they've never seen anything like it, and I don't believe anybody has since then. It was a monu well, It was a, an historic day in this rivalry. It was, and as you say, monumental is a great a, a, a great word as well. Yeah, it, it's something that won't be replicated. But um, you know, it's it it was outstanding atmosphere. It really was an outstanding atmosphere. I rode to the game that day. Because, you know, the only time I'd been to Auburn was for basketball. I really didn't know 
the traffic flow and the you know I didn't know any of that stuff uh, for a football weekend because I had never been there for a football game. You know, so you know I I rode with Jim Fife, and that was uh, you know that that generated a lot of talk as we got out of the car together. But uh, no, it was a it was a great atmosphere, and it was, and it's and it's always a, a great atmosphere wherever the game is played. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not partial to going there now because the press box, the broadcast booth, is behind the end zone on one end of the stadium. So oh. when the when the play is being held on the other end of the field, like inside the 40 on the other side of the field, you have a very difficult time spotting the football, not not following it, but when the play is over, you know, you really can't tell if the ball is at the 30, at the 32, at the 33, you can't tell. So you have to delay a little bit, and then I wait until the uh, scoreboard on the other end of the stadium puts up, you know, where it says ball on, and they put up the yard line. Well, that's when I say, and the ball is at the 31-yard line or whatever, because to look at it, you can't tell. You're, you're low down enough for it to be a spectacular view, but it's all the way down the other end of the, of the field, and you just don't know where the ball is, and then especially if you get a play inside the five, you know, and they hand it off, and there's a big bunch of bodies battling, you don't know if the guy got in or he didn't get in or where he is. So you have to then wait for the officials to signal or what have you. So it's difficult to broadcast a game there, but the atmosphere is still um, outstanding. It really is, as it is at Bryant-Denny when the game is in Tuscaloosa. Eli, through the eyes, uh, through your binoculars, uh, just tell us how much you've seen Jalen Milroe grow. How much have I seen? Yeah, I mean, what what progression from Middle Tennessee State, Texas? Oh, to oh, I understand. Milroe well, is. you know what? It's it's very interesting. We had seen going to practice in the fall, and then broadcasting those scrimmages that we did before the regular season. We did the closed circuit. Uh, scrimmages just to get me back into shape and to get me used to working with a new color man, you know, and Tyler Watts. Uh, we saw Jalen then do what he's doing now. We knew he could run. We had seen him throw a ton of those long balls right on the money. So we weren't surprised to see it happen. The big, the big thing is not so much Jalen, if you ask me, but it's the offensive line, which has gotten significantly better, and it's given, as a result, Jalen more time to work. So we knew what we were seeing. We knew what he could do. But I think the improvement, yeah, and yeah, he's more confident. He's, you know, you're always going to be better after a full season of work, but you know, the improvement, I think, has been on the offensive line more so than uh, anything else. 
Have you seen a different Nick Saban this year as opposed to the season since 89? Yeah, probably no, so. Maybe a little. first game. Sorry. Yeah, no, 89 was with Gene Stallings. But nevertheless, uh, you know, my, my, my time with Nick Saban, yeah, he has changed. Uh, you know, he has mellowed some. Uh, he is not mellow, but he is he is mellowed some, and yeah, he's he seems to be a little a little looser, uh, a little a little I don't want to say friendlier because he and I have always been friendly, but he he does seem to be you know uh, a little lighter light hearted sometimes that he wasn't you know fifteen sixteen seventeen years ago, uh, so. Yeah, he's he's changed some, but at the ultimate bottom line, he he still wants to win. He still is very very result oriented, and I will tell you that one thing that has not changed is that what's today, November the twenty second. What he does today on November twenty second is likely the exact same thing he did on the corresponding November 22nd of all these previous years. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a, a creature of habit. He has his way to do things, and that's fine. But, yeah, he's a little looser, a, a little quicker with the smile. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of us who get to work with him on a daily or weekly basis, we have seen a lot of that over the years. I remember doing a talk show with him, gosh, it's got to be, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, nine years ago, something like that. It was one of his Thursday night shows, and uh, he said something very humorous and lighthearted as an answer to a caller, and I cut him off. I cut him off. I jumped right in. I said, folks, now you see... That is the Nick Saban that we get to see. Those of us who work with him and see him on a regular basis, that's the Nick Saban that we get to see. A nice guy, a caring guy, and then he cut me off. And he said, so what you're saying is that most of the time I'm a schmuck. (laughs) And I said, well, coach, that's your word, not mine, but... uh, and, and we had a nice little chuckle about that. Um, he, he is a nice guy. He is genuinely a nice guy. But he does not abide by, by, by stupid questions and so on. No. But, no, he's, he's a good man. And I do think he's a little looser this year than he has been in the past. Eli Gold, our guest on Big Noon Sports, just another question. Um, Eli, just uh, give us your view on um, the game that starts 2.30 Saturday afternoon. What does Alabama need to do or not to do? Well, Alabama needs to play the defense like they can play. And, you know, you can all go all we were talking about the older days. You can go back to, to Gene Stallings uh, in the 90s, late 80s, or whatever, and, and uh, you know, Bill Curry even back then. And even though Bill was a center uh, as a professional, uh, he would tell you, uh, you know, defense wins championships and that is still the case today the Alabama defense is outstanding and uh, I think if they play to their fullest capacity uh, Alabama will win the game and and 
you know, potentially fairly handily. Uh, you just don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's a game that the defense will play well. I think the, you know, and again, this is not an Einstein-like statement, but the trenches, as is always the case seemingly uh, in, in ball games, whoever wins the battle of the, uh, the battle of the trenches is going to win the ball game. So I like Alabama's chances. I certainly do. Uh, before getting ready for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs next week, Eli, as we go out here, would you kind of run through your broadcast team? They are so essential, and we all hear Tyler Watts and Christian Miller, but I do know what a support support staff means. Who are they? They are outstanding. We've got my spotter who's been with me for every game now that I've done in any brand of football for 30 some odd years, and that's Butch Owens, uh, our engineer producer, Tom Stipe. Uh, I will tell you, I've worked with a lot of producers, and he is one of the absolute best in the business. Uh, We used to have statisticians. Um, We don't have one of those anymore. We now work on... uh, off the monitor, which has improved so significantly. But in the old days, you know, Brian Roberts and uh, Jimmy Bank, uh, guys who worked with me to help with statistics, Tom Roberts as well. But you're right, uh, a broadcaster is only as good, well, you're as good as the product you're calling, number one, but is only as good as the people you have working with you uh, in, in an assistance role. They are, you know, I mentioned their names fairly quickly during the broadcast once or twice a weekend but uh, they really deserve far more of an accolade than that Eli, Alabama football is uh, just rolling along and it rolls much more smoothly with you at the mic. Thank you for your time Hello to Claudette and your family All right, you guys do the same and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know I've got so much to be thankful for this year more so than ever before and and i dare say all of your listeners are always have a reason to be thankful let's not uh, overlook tomorrow as just a day with a parade and turkey it's a very special day to a lot of people well stated eli thank you we'll be listening all right man see ya all right you too all right eli gold uh, our first guest coming right out of the shoot on big noon sports with lars matt and noah We'll be back and pick up more Thanksgiving and Alabama-Auburn game talk in just a minute. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky today, the high this afternoon around 54. Clear tonight, the low 36. Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 57. And Friday, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. It is big noon sports. Golly, it's the day before Thanksgiving. I would say, where's the month gone? But really, where is 2023 gone? Good grief. We're almost done. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Christmas in a month. Then the new year. But uh, what a great week. I don't know about you, Lars. You just kind of walk around and uh, 
it's almost because of Thanksgiving and because of the Alabama Auburn game, it's almost like it. No, it's almost like no, it is like everybody has a little bit more kicking their giddy up. You know what I'm talking about? Have you noticed it? Just like walking around Publix or going, you know, this and that. I went to a restaurant last night. Just uh, it's very, very interesting to see. And man, one thing about this state, Lars, you've been here 20 years. One thing about this state, nobody's shy about wearing their colors this week. It's really cool. Yeah, I was just uh, at Publix this morning and um Wow, it was absolutely jam packed, and everybody's got their gear on. You know, Alabama, Auburn, and uh, pretty, pretty incredible. And of course, on the most important day, most important show of the year, uh, I'm having uh, technical issues, which we're trying to get resolved, and hopefully, we will very shortly. Um, yeah, just uh, the, there's just so much excitement, and and you, you it's like you want to freeze time or you want to slow down time so you can really cherish uh just this these next few days because it's just uh, as you eloquently put it yesterday it's faith family football and uh we're going to get uh heaping servings of all of that uh in the next uh you know 56 72 hours yeah really looking forward to it and you know each year just has its special spin, doesn't it, Lars? Uh, I mean, it's just it's different this year. I, I think the the biggest difference is what happened to Auburn last Saturday. How does that affect this football team, Lars? Yeah, I think uh, you know, in speaking with um, uh, you know former players about the the meltdown that happened against New Mexico State. And does that illustrate a larger issue, meaning lack of player leadership? And uh, because, you know, when it mattered most, it, there was a, a void there that nobody stepped into, uh, apparently, right? And so um, it will be telling to see when things don't go quite right for Auburn early in the game, are they able to bounce back from it or are they suffering from a kind of a sports uh, equivalent of PTSD from the, the previous week. What about Alabama going in? Uh, you know, looking back over your shoulder to the game against the mocks that they just handled, handled like they should have. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, I love the fact that uh, Tommy Reese dialed up a long throw on the very first play of the game, making a statement that, hey, we're not going to take you guys lightly, and and uh, we're going to hit you right in the mouth, and they, they did that. Alabama took care of business and looks really, really good. Um, unfortunately for Alabama, not a lot of movement, not any movement in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, I thought it was curious that Florida State drops, even though they win big, just because Jordan Travis got hurt and um, and is out for the season and likely um, – I believe he has already announced that he's going to go and declare for the NFL draft. But, you know, if if the committee is going to use on, okay, I test and who's better now, then are you devaluing the regular season? Because on I test, Alabama, as we talked about, if we played Texas on a neutral field, they would be favored by over a touchdown. And so, but 
you can't overlook the fact that Texas came into Tuscaloosa and won by 10 points earlier in the season. So I, I don't know. It's like the committee is uh, kind of talking out, uh, figuratively speaking, talking out of both sides of their mouth. And I think still it will all shake out and the top four teams will get in. There hasn't really been a massive debate yet in the four-team playoff era. Maybe one year it was uh, right between, I think, Alabama and Ohio State, and uh, Alabama got the nod and ended up winning the national championship that year. Um, But for the most part, things kind of resolved themselves with uh, these uh, games of the last week of the regular season and then the championship games. And it's, it's still hard for me to imagine if Alabama wins these next two games, that they would be left out. But uh, certainly a possibility. Really need Washington to lose uh, for Alabama's sake. You really need Washington to lose. Really need Texas to lose. And uh, and then who knows with Florida State. I mean, but a one-loss Alabama SEC championship team get in over an undefeated Florida State team. I mean, maybe that's what the committee is telling us right now. Right, because they dropped Florida State, not based on performance, but based on injury. And so, um, I don't know. There's a, the, 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 it, it would make sense, though, that the last year of the 14 playoff is the one that absolutely just uh, you know goes goes uh, goes sideways and drives everyone bonkers. Well, it hasn't. You know, it has its flaws. I mean, um, Alabama last year, many think they should have been in. Uh, remember two or three years ago, Texas A&M, uh, they end up being fifth. I thought they should have been fourth. So it is interesting, and I, and I think you you nailed it when you said talking out of both sides of your mouth. It's it's interesting this this committee will hold Alabama accountable for a game that happened back at the beginning of the season, and yet they hold Florida State accountable for something that was totally out of their control, and they can't predict whether or not that's going to make a big difference in this football team. Oh, just just a quick thought. I know. It, it, it's head-scratching. I, I don't know why you drop Florida State. I, did, I really don't understand why you do that. But, hey, they get the big bucks to make those decisions, not me. Do they really? How much do they pay? <laughs> I don't know. I'd really like to know. I mean, they got it. there's got to be some kind of salary or honorarium or whatever you would attach to the thing is though like what we're kind of overlooking is that since the start of this since the start of the college football playoff committee they have said the conference championships matter and so if you are the conference champion of the sec arguably i don't know right there you know Right there with the, the Pac-12 for the, the best conferences overall. I think depth-wise, the SEC is better. But would you leave them out? And so, again, I think you just kind of got to wait. And if everything you know goes Alabama's way, and the Crimson Tide win these next two games, how much weight does that SEC championship give Alabama? How much... How, how important of a factor is that going to be to the committee? And they have consistently said throughout the college football playoff era that conference championships matter. And you certainly couldn't say that uh, the SEC is the fourth best conference in the country or the fifth best conference in the country. So it should matter a lot. We'll see. 
Lars, Matt, Noah, the gang is here. Why don't you join us? Give us your prediction. Give us your thoughts. What is your first Alabama-Auburn game memory? Share that with us. We've got plenty of time to take your calls to the remainder of the hour at 205-342-9904. Matt Finkus will talk Ohio State, Michigan next hour. Every week, Town Square Media, Noah sends out a list to all of us. We punch in what we think the score is going to be. I got to get Lars' prediction on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the Bama broker.com. That's Laura Lee at the Bama broker.com. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. It is big noon sports. And I'm not going to wax poetic too much here, Lars, but I'm very thankful for this show as we get into the blessings of the holiday and Thanksgiving. Very thankful for the people that listen. Thankful to all the people at Tide Square and uh, Walt Williams, who handles our affiliates uh, on the east side of Alabama. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. So, And I know what? I speak for Lars Anderson as well, and I don't do that often. Hey. Oh, absolutely. I have, uh, I'm filled with gratitude when it, it comes to this show and just, uh, uh, gosh, whenever I look at my kids and I just say, I go back to just, uh, you know, when they're born, make sure they got 10 toes and 10 fingers. And, and, uh, and now just, uh, it, it seems like it was an eye blink ago that they were born and, and now here they are at and my girls are six and uh, just how they are maturing into young people of uh, integrity and and they have uh, really rich content to their character and I'm trying to mold, mold them the best I can but uh, you know we all just we all just try our best but um, yeah I'm, I'm extremely thankful for my kids and and their health and their happiness and and uh, yeah in, in the show and uh, man, be able to, to interact with students at Alabama. I, my my life is good, Matt. And I know you feel the same way about yours. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, if you got Thanksgiving thoughts or Alabama Auburn thoughts, bring it on. Give us a call at 205-342-9904. Lars, I want to share something real, very personal for just a second. Uh, I talked to you last night, but, um, you know, as I said, Thanksgiving is about faith, family, and football. So I, I have three children. Jennifer, Liz, and Tyler. She's not coming over, but we will communicate. 
And Madison is my middle child. She has the three grandchildren. And, of course, Matt Jr. is uh, my son. And they're all like 28, 33, and 39. I mean, they're long, long way between my children's age and your children's age, although we're not really that far apart. I'm not going to get into the details of that. But I talked to my sweet Madison yesterday morning, and she calls and she says, Dad, I've got COVID. Oh, my. I mean, could there be a worse time? Could there be a worse time for that to happen to her with her three kids, with all the plans? So my my blessing, my thoughts. and uh, uh, Yeah, it is. You know what? She'll handle it. I mean, she handled a child with leukemia, but she'll handle it. Poppy's not handling it very well. I think it sucks. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, if that's the worst thing we have to deal with over Thanksgiving, then so be it. We will move on. Every week, Lars, Noah Haynes sends out these forms. You get them. I get them. Everybody Town Square Media gets them. And we fill them out, name, score, comments. Have you done that yet? I have not. All right. I Mine is sitting in hand, and I'm about to send it. And by the end of this break, this segment, you're going to need to come up with one. Or come up with one right now. What do you think? You and I, I think, differ because I think Alabama will pull away late. And I think they take control early. And they, they went out. In fact, I'm going to hit submit as I posted 33 to 10. Yeah. Any comments on that? That's, uh, it's kind of close to what I'm thinking. But I, I just, I think, I think Robbie Ashford is going to get some uh, time. And being an Alabama kid, I have a feeling that he's going to play really well uh, for Auburn. And so I, I think Alabama wins, but they don't cover the, the spread. Um, I think Alabama wins 31-24 um, and uh, moves forward to uh, the SEC championship game where they'll play out. I think it's uh, it's critically important if you look at it from side they need a fast start they absolutely need a fast start to keep the crowd in it uh to give their players uh, uh just a, a sense of confidence um and uh you know coming off of just a horrendous performance last week losing at home to new mexico state um but yeah uh i just I think Alabama will, I'm confident Alabama will win this game, but I just don't believe it's going to be as easy as, uh, as many are projecting. I know. And I know you disagree with that. Um, but that's just my gut feeling. Well, you know, there's a a fine line between, between predicting and wanting. (laughs) And sometimes even after 50 years of doing this, I think, well, Matt, and you know, used to, 30, 40 years ago when I first got in this business, I made absolute certain that I never showed any favoritism. You know what? I'm older. I'm a senior citizen. Um, I treat Auburn fairly, but by golly, I'm an Alabama graduate. I uh, actually knew and interviewed Coach Bryant for two years, so I can stand on that now and and not really really worry too much about it. But I think that, that the key here... And more I think about it, and as I just posted on Town Square, um, defense, 
I don't see Auburn's offense. They've shown flashes of being able to move the football and score, i.e. Arkansas, earlier this year. I just don't think that they're going to be able to move the football on this Alabama defense. That's, that is my bottom line here. Yeah, they're going to be able to need to run the ball and uh, set up the pass. They're not going to be able to pass and set up the run. They, they need to be able to throw – excuse me, they need to be able to run the ball. And uh, given how their offensive line has played in the last week or so – last couple of weeks, actually, uh, it's kind of a stretch to think they can. Again, is that Arkansas game a complete outlier? What do you think? Ah. Uh. Because if that you know, it's, if it's, that Auburn team shows, if that Auburn team shows up, it's going to be it's going to be a fight. Well, I, I hate to say this, and, and everyone knows my love for Arkansas. I was born there. My dad taught there, right there in Fayetteville, um, and I love my little piggies. Okay, but I hate to say this about any team, especially Arkansas. Arkansas dialed it up, and mailed it in. Um. They, they know what this season has become. Um, that doesn't sound like a Sam Pittman coached football team. Do you think he survives, by the way? I'm afraid he doesn't. Because um, Arkansas pulled the trigger on you pretty quick, whether you're on a motorcycle or not. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, I would like to see him stay. But the future moving forward without KJ I mean what's what's Arkansas got I don't know how I don't think they've recruited top 10 so in answering your question in a minute no I don't think he makes it I hope he does speaking of the motorcycle I, I had this weird thought is there any way possible that Bobby Petrino sabotaged Jimbo oh wait Hold the phones. I have no evidence great, of that. I have no evidence topic. at all. But is ah. <laughs> what a great question. Let's address that on the other side of this break as you're listening to the day before Thanksgiving edition of Big Noon Sports. Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Coming up on the Miller's Edge on Wednesday, we rush around the SEC. It is rivalry week, and we'll look at all the rivals of the SEC. Plus, take your phone calls, and we'll get your predictions on this Wednesday. Right here on the Miller's Edge on the Tide 100.9. It's the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Yeah! Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 
205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Ah, very high. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky today. The high this afternoon around 54. Clear tonight, the low 36. Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny. The high 57. And Friday, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. What a great week. Thanksgiving and then Saturday. It is Alabama at Auburn on CBS. Lars brought up a great, interesting topic. And by the way, you can join in. 205-342-9904. Go back and tell us what you were thinking about A&M. Uh, it's just a random thought. Is uh, is it possible that Bobby Petrino somehow sabotaged Jimbo Fisher at A&M? And I, I don't believe so. I, I was just sort of throwing it out there um, because, look, Bobby Petrino is about to be uh, jobless himself uh, once a new coach is hired. And uh, the athletic director for Texas A&M, Ross Bjork, uh, who I got to know pretty well when he was at Ole Miss, and he's a really sharp guy, and he is conducting this search, uh, I believe, by himself. Um, and a name to watch, I believe, uh, hasn't gotten a ton of talk, is uh, Jeff Trailer, the head coach at University of Texas at San Antonio. Uh, he's been there since uh, 2020, and uh, his overall record is 38 and 13, and uh, they uh, are headed toward uh, winning their conference again. But most notably, is he is he's as Texas as Texas gets, right? Like he uh, he was born in the tiny town of Gilmer, Texas. Uh, he played at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, he's coached uh, at the high school level. Uh, at uh, at three different schools, uh, he coached at Texas. He coached at SMU, uh, and he was at Arkansas for two years. So, the reason he is so attractive is not just what he has done as a head coach, and then and it is very impressive. Uh, he's already won uh, two back to back conference USA championships, and looks like they're going to win a third this year, but. He knows the high school scene in Texas. And uh, according to, you know, some of uh, my friends who are national college football reporters, that Jimbo leaned far too much on his assistant coaches to do the recruiting work in Texas. And the thing is, look, a relationships matter in every state uh, when it comes to recruiting. But I think that's especially so in Texas. And uh, and I think Trailer right away would improve the relations with the Texas High School Coaches Association because he's one of them. I mean, to me, this is almost a, a no-brainer. And I know a lot of people are saying Elko from Duke uh, is also a front runner. And I, and I think uh, that wouldn't shock anyone if he gets the job. 
but uh, this is going to come down very quick because uh, Ross Bjork, he, he said that he wants to have a new coach in place by December 4th, which is the Monday after the conference championship games. And um, and so uh, I think it's going to be trailer. And, and I and I think it would be a, a great pick uh, by Bjork. And, and also, you know, they, the fact that they have this uh, – this, Gosh, I want to be careful with my wording here. This uh, uh, 100-pound gorilla of a contract on their back that they have to pay uh, in $74 million, you know, is uh, – what was the buyout again? It was uh, – 77.8, yeah, I think. It's yeah, $26,000 yeah. a day for the next eight <laughs> years. Yeah, and, and believe it or not, even to Texas A&M, that's a lot of money. And so what Bjork has said, he's like, we got to get this contract right. We're not going to do what we did before. And we need to like recalibrate the level here. And here, and we're going to say, these are the parameters. This is the structure, take it or leave it. And so what that tells me is they're not going after a Nick Saban, you know, type. This isn't. This isn't a swing for the fences and get the uh, the best coach possible uh, or the A-list name. This is you hire a guy who has done really well at a mid-major level and you elevate him. And so, uh, I mean, trailer just, it makes a lot of sense to me because he's not gonna command the salary of, uh, you know, the, apparently they kicked the tires with Dan Campbell, uh, the head coach of the Detroit Lions. But, you know, Campbell's not leaving the Lions. Why would you leave the Lions right now, right? Like, he, he's got that he's got that entire franchise moving in the right direction. And and I, I have so much respect for Dan Campbell. Why would you Me go too. to Texas A&M? But, uh, in, in, again, Texas A&M, it's yes they have oil money they have really deep pockets we get that but still that 76 mil or 77 mil whatever it is uh that you are going to be paying jimbo that 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 hurts a little bit <laughs> and so they they can't like i said they can't go after um an a-list name and so that's why the head coach of utsa makes a lot of sense to me lars i love you man you and I are as tight as it gets, best buds. I totally, 100% disagree. Really? And you know what? That's a good thing to go to it the top good. of the hour with. And, and we'll talk about it, and I'll tell you why. And uh, you'll still be with Trailer, but I'll, I'll be with somebody else. Hey, it is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving edition of Big Noon Sports. By the way, Happy Thanksgiving and blessings to Noah Haynes, our producer. Appreciate that very much. And everybody at Town Square Media. Matt Coulter and Lars Anderson back in just a couple of minutes. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build 
build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square Media Station, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay in an interview with HBO Sports said his 2014 DUI arrest was because of police prejudice against him for being a rich white billionaire. Elsewhere in the NFL, Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel said running back Devon Achan will practice today as he deals with a knee injury and how that goes will determine how much he can play on Friday against the Jets. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones was asked if he's starting this weekend against the Giants. Jones replied, quote, I hope so. That's the plan, I think, end quote. When asked a follow-up for clarification, Jones said, we'll see. The Rams officially designated running back Kyron Williams to return to practice today, and he's expected to play on Sunday. The commanders have listed running back Antonio Gibson as questionable for tomorrow's game against the Cowboys with a toe injury, and the Vikings signed former Browns receiver Dalen Baldwin. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Last hour before Thanksgiving, we'll take a few calls. If you'd like to give us your favorite side dish, oh, how about ham or turkey? Um, that's a good question. But, hey, and it's also the week of Alabama at Auburn, 2.30 CBS. Matt, Lars, Noah are with you. Going to the top of the hour, we're talking about who might be the replacement for Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. And Lars said that he thought there was a chance that it would be uh, Trailer, Jeff Trailer from the Roadrunners of UTSA. By the way, great nickname. This article I'm reading, Lars, comes from the Houston Chronicle. And other candidates include Mike Elko. You mentioned him, Blue Devils head coach. Washington's Kayla DeBoer. I really hadn't heard that one mentioned. Lars, step back. This is actually in this article. Nebraska's Matt Rule. What's a better job? Nebraska, Texas A&M. You got 10 seconds. <laughs> no comment. Probably Texas A&M. Just well, if you, if, if you, well, it, it, I think if you actually look at it, I'd say Nebraska. Who is an easier path to get to the playoffs? Nebraska, if you get the program up to speed. Or Texas A&M, where you're going against uh, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, it, it, it's tough. But, but good, good yeah. points on all fronts. All right, I, I, I'm not uh, sure. I, I, that 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 is uh, absolute nonsense. Who's the author of that story? Uh, I have right. to scroll up, Lars. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, Brent Zwinnerman. Okay, Zwinnerman. Uh, um, okay, here's Brent. some others. Here's some others. Um, here's one guy they he led the story with is uh, 
a guy named uh, Jed Fish. You ever heard of him? Nope. He's like a longtime Texas assistant and supposedly really knows the lay of the land. Um, other candidates uh, include, I have to scroll back down, I lost my place, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being like in, in seventh grade here. I lost my place, teacher. Um, Elijah Robinson, who is uh, the interim coach now. Lance Leopold. How about this one? Lance Leopold's a good one. Ohio State's Ryan Day. What the H? Well, and we're going to talk to Matt Finkus, uh, former All-American defensive end at Ohio State here just in a few minutes. Um, about the Michigan-Ohio State game and also want to get Matt's opinion on the Iron Bowl and uh, in how things can shake out for Alabama with the college football playoff committee. But yeah, there is talk that if Ryan Day loses to Michigan, that he could be fired. Uh, and that would be no going, way. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you that, that we can ask Matt. I mean, that's the only reason why Ryan Day. Ryan Day would not leave Ohio State for Texas A&M. Give me a break. Like the only reason he would be a candidate is if he gets fired. And I don't know. You know, I'm not in Columbus, Ohio. Neither are you, obviously. And so. I'm not sure what is going on, and I, it, it keeps coming up, though, the fact that this could be a do-or-die situation for Ryan Day. And that seems utterly ludicrous to me, but yet that chatter in the background hasn't stopped. I mean, we talked to Matt Finkus about this uh, a month ago, and he dismissed it, and I, 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 I dismiss it as well, but it's like it hasn't stopped this 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 noise that you're hearing from somewhat reputable people that that day could be in trouble if he doesn't win all right um i want to take bubba in just a second but just wanted to tell you my reaction into the potential hiring of uh, texas san antonio coach jeff trailer there is such a monumental leap when you go from a non-Power 5 to a Power 5, your administrative duties, and this is not as AD, this is head coach, are huge. And when you're at a Texas school, they're even larger. I can remember talking to uh, Mac Brown, and he said, I could not believe what was put on me as far as flying, going to boosters, doing this, and everything that takes away from the actual X's and O's now grows exponentially. And that's why I think they need to hire a proven Power 5 coach. I know Dan Lanning's name has been floated out there, but he's got really, really big ducks to fry. So I don't know if that's a possibility, but I think taking, and even Elko, I think Elko falls in that category as well. Um, I think A&M, yeah, they got the oil money. And if they can buy out Jimbo Fisher at $26,000 a day, they can find enough money to lure someone else out. That's just my thought. Let's go to the phones. You can dial us up at 205-342-9904. Let's go to Bubba. Bubba, how are you? Hello, Bubba. I believe we lost Bubba. 
And that's not easy to do. Lars, before you moved no. to Alabama, did I think you might have got, got him back? I think we got Bubba. Okay. I think we got Bubba. Oh, How are you doing, you Bubba? Hey, man. How's it going, guys? Good. Bubba joins okay. us at walk-ons on Saturdays, and I appreciate that. Bubba, how are you doing? It, I'm doing great. Getting ready to get my belly full tomorrow. What's your favorite side? It has to be... I don't. I, I'm a big dressing guy um, with with cranberry sauce and all the big things. Um, candy sweet potatoes and cream corn. Man, you are definitely from the south. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you yeah, you got to have just... a good you got to have a good roll to sop it all up with too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, who is Stop it that it makes up. the rolls? Uh, is it Sister Schubert that makes the rolls here? Oh, oh, oh so yeah. Those are the best. And they are great sopping rolls. Very Lars great. Had never, Lars had never heard the word sop until he moved to Alabama. No, I haven't. I hadn't. Sop it up. Yeah, and you spell it S-O-P-I-T-U-P. It's all one, yeah. one word, right? Yeah. You got it. Bubba, your thoughts I, I, on the I, game I, Saturday? I think I well, I, I tell you my score. I gave Ryan, I, I gave him forty-one to ten was my score. Alabama. I think we're gonna put the hammer down and we ain't gonna let up. All right. Well, Alabama definitely needs the style points. Uh, every. Every score matters at this at this point with Alabama, and you want to impress the committee and everyone else across the country as much as you can. That being said, I, I think if Alabama wins out, it's just things aren't in their control. I mean, Alabama could win these next two games right. by one point, and or they could win by twenty, and I think you'd still have the same outcome because it has yeah. to do with what other people are doing, not necessarily what Alabama is doing. What is this committee actually doing? They ain't had to do nothing since they started. I mean, <laughs> it's the same old story. It's the same old story. I mean, one and two has changed, and maybe nine through the bottom has changed, but they ain't had to do nothing else. I mean, this has been... I mean, I thought we was going to get some chaos last weekend, and we never got it. You know, I when, when I saw all that rain against uh, Oregon State and, and Washington, I, I knew Oregon State couldn't really get 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 going and do what they needed to do to, to finish up Washington. But we'll see after this weekend, you know. But, you know, like I said, we got to win, and we still got to beat Georgia. Or, you know, I think the most impressive thing to me is that how many in a row, how many seasons have Saban won 10 or more games? That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's Nick Saban continues to do things that we won't see, I don't think, again in our lifetime. And, uh, no. and like when we've spent a lot of time talking about this, about how this year may be his finest coaching effort, just the way that he's handled the quarterback situation, the, the youth of the offensive line, 
and just keeping this team, you know, keep believing in this team. And and sometimes you 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 have to, you know, give them sugar rather than vinegar. And I think that's the way he's been this year. And that's uh, it's not necessarily a a different Nick Saban. It's just he has he's reading his team. And uh, and I think yes, they, just, they need to be up. They need to be uplifted more than torn down. Y'all gonna do a live show next Friday? We I may have come to dinner lunch with you. No, y'all come uh, come on Saturday. We will be at Walk-Ons after the Alabama Auburn game. So what about, what about the game before Georgia? What about the Georgia game? Y'all gonna be at the NS free? Uh, we're that is still in the air. We may be yeah. there. We may be in Atlanta. I don't know. Lars may be in Lincoln. Well, Bubba, great call. It's a and I really, really appreciate your support for this show and 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 our radio stations. Thank you. Hey, when we get back, Maddie F. Maddie Finkus is with us on Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky today, the high this afternoon around 54. Clear tonight, the low 36. Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 57. And Friday, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. It is Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Our producer is Noah Haynes. Hey, Lars, let's talk some Big Ten football. Specifically, you know, we got a really big rivalry here in the state of Alabama. That's, of course, the Tigers and the Tide. There's a, another one. Yeah, there is another one. And uh, joining us now is uh, our good friend Matt Finkus, former Defensive end at Ohio State, All-American, played in the NFL. Uh, Matt and I have been buddies for many years. Matt, okay, explain to us why the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is bigger than Alabama-Auburn. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that if you look back historically when it, when it comes to, obviously going back years and years and years, um, you know, the, at one time, obviously, the Rose Bowl was kind of the pinnacle of college football. I mean, so there were, you know, 60s and 70s and even through the 80s where that team, that game determined who went and played the Rose Bowl and possibly shot at a national championship. I mean, there was an actual war fought over the state lines at one point. So, I mean, that's kind of a big deal, kind of a big deal. I mean, and I'll tell you what, this is one this year that I don't think in my lifetime, I think, you know, you've talked to some of the older guys and you know, the late John Dex and great uh, Outland and Lombardi trophy winning tackle who famously tore down the, uh, the banner as they, as they were in the big house. Um, you know, there's some vitriol that's happened in this game quite a bit, but I don't know if there's been anything to this level for a long, long time going back between the coaching staffs and these teams that is going to play out here on Saturday. There's so many subplots to this game. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Jim Harbaugh asked a, a press conference, and I know you saw this, uh, that it was asked about Ryan Day and this uh, feeling that Michigan fans have that somehow Ryan Day was a tattletale 
uh, and, and reported Michigan to uh, the NCAA for their, and you're right uh, on your social media, they're, they're cheaters. They cheated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and they, they're basically acknowledging that. They have acknowledged it. Um, what, I mean, what, give us a backstory here. Is, is Ryan Day the one who reported them? I mean, I, I thought this all started with Greg Schiano uh, making the comment at halftime, just saying, "Look, these guys, there's there's stuff going on here." And and the sideline reporter, and and it, yeah. it's certainly not her fault. She just she didn't understand kind of what he was talking about because he was speaking in general terms. But is there animosity between Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh? Oh, absolutely. But but Ryan Day wasn't the one who who started this whole thing with Michigan cheating. I I think if you go back and look, um, this was probably one of the worst kept secrets in the Big Ten over the past two years. I mean, teams from every team in the league somehow, I mean, they could see the little guy on the sideline signaling plays in and talking to the offensive coordinator and defense coordinator, you know, while plays are being signaled in. Everyone suspected this was happening. Somehow Michigan had access to, to their signs that they were signaling. I think the big question was, how were they doing it? No one knew how they were doing it. Um, no one suspected, because obviously, you know, everyone is trying to, is operating within the rules. Joe Harbaugh has a history of pushing the limit of the rules. When you go back to, uh, you know, what he was doing with spring practice at the satellite camps and the spring practice at IMG, I mean, Jim Harbaugh is not a by-the-book kind of guy in his entire history. I mean, he's always pushed the envelope of the rules. Um, I I think he knew about this 100%. I don't buy this for a second, but he had no idea. It was Every head football coach in America knows everything that's going on inside their building. If they don't, they should be fired. But I think what happened here at the Big Ten is everyone was trying to figure out how Michigan was doing this for the past two years. No one expected it to be so brazen and blatant that they were sending people to opposing uh, teams and videotaping the sidelines and bringing, bringing it back and matching it with game tape. But once this um, manifesto, once the investigation went in, I believe, and this is the most probable, and from what I have heard, the most likely scenario, that um, once the investigation started with the computer crime, so to speak, of the offense coordinator Weiss, that a lot of information was uncovered, the spreadsheets, you know, the details of who was videotaping what and where, all of that thing, all of those things started to come to light. And then the once, I mean, as anyone knows who's been a part of one of these things or witnessed them, once the NCAA gets involved and gets their hooks in and they find that there's something there, they're going to dig and dig and dig until there's nothing left to find. And I think that's what's happened here. And, I mean, again, Lars, you're right. The bottom line is Michigan cheated. I mean, you can try to say that it didn't affect teams. You can try to say that this wasn't a big deal. But it is. It's a, it's a, you tainted the integrity of the game. You called into question everything that your kids have fought and, and tried to do for the last two years. That's why I said, you know, when I don't care that Jim Harbaugh may not have respect. I don't have any respect for Jim Harbaugh. For him to not have the respect to, to, for the game itself, is pretty sad and for his own players I mean now you put your own players in a a place for these last two years I mean I guarantee you these guys in NFL locker rooms they're taking crap right now left and right like you guys didn't really earn those wins you cheated I guarantee you that's happening in every NFL locker room across the country great point hadn't thought about that 
I think I've told you, Matt and Lars, and our many listeners that I stopped trusting Jim Harbaugh when I found out he drank milk with a steak. All right, (laughs) here's the question. Will both these guys be at their respective universities next year? I think Ryan Day will be at Ohio State 100%. I don't think he's that not Ryan going has to A&M? Or leaving. No, I don't think so. I think that he's going to stay here. He's got a uh, – he's, he's got – I think he's his family's ingratiated here. I think that he's – I mean, it's – you know, th- there's a there's a real community that he has here. I think that he's built something that he's very proud of. I don't see him leaving for A&M at all. Um, you know, A&M's got a truckload of money that they can drop off to, at anybody's doorstep, but I don't think that that's going to – Wait, I mean, Ryan Day's making pretty – I mean, he's not making minimum wage. Let's not kid ourselves here. He's doing okay for himself. Um, and, and I think that he's uh, he loves the state of Ohio. I think he loves Ohio State. I mean, I've talked with him numerous times. Um, Jim Harbaugh, I don't believe, will be at Michigan this year. I think that he'll leave. I think that, that uh, from everything that I've heard, there's a good chance that he will be suspended for the entire 2024 season. And if that's the case, I don't see him sticking around. I see him jumping ship going the NFL to get whatever job you might be able to get, probably a special teams coordinator for the week. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised either um, if, if he bolts to the NFL. Um, okay, let's look at the game, uh, the game, Ohio State, Michigan. A lot of national pundits are pointing to the quarterback situation and saying, hey, Michigan's got a huge advantage here. Uh, your, your thoughts and your analysis of how you see this game playing out. Yeah, I mean, when you just try to pull yourself back, and I've done this uh, over some interviews over the week, of just trying to look at the last couple weeks of, of games, um, I think that you have to, if you're looking at this as an outsider, you've got to look at the teams kind of going in two different directions right now heading into this week. I think you see an Ohio State team that has progressively gotten better throughout the year. The offensive line got a lot better all running game really getting attacked uh you know wide receivers becoming healthy defense is becoming healthy tommy eichenberg is going to be back uh hill is going to be back you know i think they're only going to miss latham ransom in the secondary but i'll tell you guys a guy to watch and it's number six sunny styles and i played with his dad lorenzo styles he was a monster at linebacker for ohio state and played for the atlanta falcons sunny is an 18 year old kid right now but isn't it a man's world and I think he's going to have a huge game. And then you, on the flip side, you look at what, uh, what Michigan's done the last couple of weeks. You know, I mean, they had a good and solid win at Penn State. Uh, you know, kind of struggled at Maryland, though. And I look at this, this inability of them the last two weeks to throw the ball. I don't see this as them trying to be t- – I mean, when it's a one-score game and you've got the ball and it's third and sixth and Maryland has just scored and kind of has momentum and you're running off tackle, there's something wrong. And you've got a quarterback who's supposedly a Heisman caliber quarterback. There's something wrong there. Well, I don't know if it's the offensive line where they don't feel ta- uh, comfortable with the tackle protection. I don't know if it's, you know, there's something wrong with the injury to, to McCarthy, but there's something a little bit off. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But I just see two teams in a different tra- trajectory right now. And uh, if that continues, I think it's good for OSU. Well, a couple of questions about what's going to happen this Saturday down at Auburn. First of all, when you were growing up, was that a significant, was the Alabama-Auburn game significant? When did it get on your radar, and what do you think is going to happen Saturday afternoon? I, You know, I mean, honestly, for, for me, Alabama-Auburn probably didn't get on my radar until it was until I was in college and playing ball. I'll tell you, I think uh, Alabama is in a place right now very much like Ohio State, some early season struggles. 
you know, they they had that loss to Texas, but uh, Texas has proven to be one of the top, top teams in the country as well. I think that they're playing really, really good football right now. And I think that, uh, that this is a team kind of like Ohio State on a very upward trajectory. And you've got an Auburn team that kind of doesn't, doesn't really have a great identity and doesn't really know who they are right now. Hey, Matt, do you think you could hang on through the break and talk to us just a little bit more? Yeah, you gotta, absolutely. You got to go. Okay, great, great, great. Great conversation with Matt Finkus on Big Noon Sports back in just a couple of minutes. Built to win. Touchdown, Alabama. Built for championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide battle Auburn in the 88 Iron Bowl in the season finale. Our coverage begins at 1130 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Matt Finkus is our guest. Matt, what are your Thanksgiving plans, and what is uh, your favorite side dish? <laughs> uh, I'm actually, we just got down here to Florida uh, with my girlfriend's family, so uh, we've got about 35 people at a big house down here in Orlando that we're getting ready to hang out with uh, for the weekend, and uh, and my favorite side dish has got to be mashed potatoes. I mean, you can't ever go wrong with mashed potatoes. 35 people? Well, yeah, what do you have in the crew. first... Are you have the Pilgrims and the Indians? Is everybody in Orlando? We, we got everybody. We got everybody. So uh, we got the multiple families all coming together and hanging out. So it's always a good time. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Um, so, again, just going back to Michigan and Ohio State, when you played, and this is just, I guess, rivalry games in general, so it also applies to Alabama-Auburn, was there just something different? in your preparation in the intensity level uh throughout the week and then also what it was what's it like just in the locker room before the game and then out on the field before you're kicking off and knowing that everything is on the line yeah i mean i think that um it's very similar to what you experience in the nfl um when you start going into like playoff football and then as you advance like my second year we were in the asc championship game just the level of intensity, the level of hyper-focus. Um, and, and those are rivalry games. I'm just talking about kind of the gameplay and how physical things get and how, you know, how intense things are. They ratchet up. Now you bring in the emotion of a rivalry game and, you know, the things that go back hundreds of years. And, you know, you get, you know, the old players that come back and talk to you and, and are with tears in their eyes and those kind of things. I mean, and, and you've got a, as an 18- to 22-year-old kid, take all of that bottle that up, don't overblow it, use it efficiently in a, in a game that, oh, by the way, probably means a lot towards the national title at the end of the game, at the end of the day. So um, it's definitely a unique situation. Coaches have got a really big job this week, more of just, and I know that Nick Saban has talked about this, it's, it's more player management than it is preparation. It, it's really how you manage your emotions as a team, how you manage you know, keeping everyone focused, keeping everyone on task. There's so much outside noise 
how do you really get rid of all of the other stuff and really just focus in on the game? And then once the game starts, it's really, again, you, you've got to control that, that, that emotion that's coming out and then that fire that's coming out uh, because, you know, the first series, the first kick and everything is, you know, th- there's a lot to, to, to that that just doesn't have to do with football. It's just your emotions getting carried away with you. And, and, the, and the teams that do well in these situations are the teams that can control that the most. Have you ever seen anything at the Michigan-Ohio State game that just made you pop yourself on the helmet? And just, I can't believe that just happened. Maybe, maybe it was between <laughs> two fans. Or maybe you can't uh, even say. You know, I, I really can't say, but I'll tell you what. I mean, it is, it is pretty amazing when you watch these games. Um, and for some reason, and that's why, you know, I hope it doesn't happen. It always seems to happen up there. But there always seems to be a little bit. I feel like those, those guys up there feel a little bit more confident when they're at home, and they get a little chippier. There always seems to be little altercations that happen up there. I mean, now granted, you've got probably, and I cannot believe the Big Ten and the NCAA has not done something about this in the past fifty years. But that tunnel is a disaster, and I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but both teams come out of the exact same tunnel. Both locker rooms are about five yards apart as the doors open facing each other and it is just a recipe for disaster every single year and i can't believe that they haven't done something about that um so i mean you know you're dealing with that i mean and coming out and and you know you see the guys that just get chippy on the sidelines i'll tell you one the, the one that, that still drops my jaw and he's kind of a little bit of a local legend for it uh there was an offensive lineman i think eight or ten years ago Got into a fight, got kicked out of the game, and double birded the crowd as he walked out up at the, up at the big house for Iowa State. And there's T-shirts of him, and there's a whole legend behind that guy. Um, and, and I mean, it's just just what makes the rivalry great. What was the uh, the most difficult, most hostile environment that you played in as a as a as a player at Ohio State? Um, you know, I'll tell you, I still think. One of the most difficult, and I know a lot of people say that, that Ohio State is one of the toughest places to come play on the road. Obviously, I don't have that experience because there were home games for us. Penn State and Wisconsin, if you're talking about teams in the league, are two of the toughest places to play um, in the Big Ten. Uh, just the loudness, the fans, um, you know, the, the atmosphere that's created those two places are really pretty incredible. Uh, I would say Washington actually ranks right up there with them too. That, that yeah. stadium, and we're going to find out here because they're now in our league. But that stadium is just metal, and so the sound reverberates, and it's just so loud. It's a gorgeous place. I mean, you're right there on Lake Washington. It's gorgeous, but the, the sound reverberates in that stadium. It's so hard to play. How about in the NFL? What was the most difficult place to go into? Uh, Kansas City. Kansas City was a tough place to play. I mean, you want to talk about. Probably the loudest stadium in the NFL by far. Is it like a college environment almost there at Arrowhead? It is. I mean, and and the way that the crowd gets into it, and I don't know if it's the fireworks that they shoot off before the game and there's always smoke still hazing on the field (laughs) when you first kick off. But but I'm telling you, man, that place, you know, watching that Monday night football game, you can hear it. It is louder there in Kansas City. Their fans are into it, I feel, more like than any place in the NFL. Matt Finkus is our guest. Here's one off the wall. Do the players, they're obviously in the locker room at halftime, but just it's such a long-standing tradition. Were you guys aware? I mean, did people talk about dotting the I? 
So there's a tradition at Ohio State um, where it used to be the week of the Michigan game. I think they moved it to homecoming now, where the band actually comes to a practice at Ohio, at, at Ohio State for the football team. And the players take instruments from the band members and walk through and do script Ohio. So the players are very aware of what, uh, what dotting the I is. Now, I will say this as a former player, you don't understand how big of a deal it is and how much the crowd absolutely goes crazy for it until you're standing in the stands for it when it happens. I mean, that place, I don't think that there's probably in college football any bigger cheer for a band ever is when someone dots the eye at Ohio State. <laughs> that it's is very really, cool. That is, is really cool. And what a great story, man. I didn't know that about the band in practice. That's neat. Yeah, that is. Yeah, really there's cool. some pictures of it. They they do it online. I mean, it, it was going on when I was in school. I don't know when that tradition started, but it's a it's a really neat tradition. Matt, you uh, obviously analyze college football on a macro level. Uh, if Alabama wins out and they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky today, the high this afternoon around 54. Clear tonight, the low 36. Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 57. And Friday, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. CC Sports, like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, Noah Haynes, myself, Matt Coulter, Big Noon Sports, wrapping up our Wednesday pre-Thanksgiving and pre-Alabama-Auburn game show. Lars, a couple of questions has just popped up through the length of this show, and one of them occurred to me when we got Bubba on. He was a caller. Did you ever know anyone named Bubba before you moved to the South? No. No, did not. Isn't it usually like a nickname because uh, yeah. like somebody like it says brother as a kid and they say yep. Bubba, right? Isn't that what Bubba? It's along the, from? I think it's uh, kind of along the same lines as Dabo. Man, yeah, Dab Boy, not, but he yeah. couldn't say Dab Boy. So yeah. anyway, um, do you know a lot now? I could probably name you a handful just off the top of my head. <laughs> my memory sucks. No, uh, Nebraska's starting quarterback is named Choba. 
Okay. It's <laughs> not even know. close, but Chubba we'll Purdy. Okay. Uh, rhymes with Bubba. Chubba. Yeah, um, the, you know, oddly enough, the first Bubba I remember ever was Bubba Smith. God, what a player. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Man, he, he was a Bubba in his own right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a bad, bad defensive end. Bad man. He did not want to uh, get in his way. <laughs> One of uh, my favorite quotes leading up to the Alabama-Auburn game came from Pat Dye in his first year at Auburn. I believe it was 1981 because uh, he was asked, how long will it take you to beat Alabama? And he said, 60 minutes. God, what a great answer. Yeah, that's good. That is really good. Um, yeah, the, uh, the the passion and intensity of this game is uh, unmatched. And uh, you just, again, especially when they're played down there in Auburn, you, just, you never know what to expect. And my gut my sense is that it's going to be similar to what it was two years ago when clearly the team with the best players was Alabama. But what happened? Alabama had to fight like heck just to get it to overtime and then eventually win it in overtime with a, a quarterback who went on to become their number one overall pick in the draft. And uh, again, that was a uh, overmatched Auburn team, but there is this, there is some magic, some indescribable magic that exists in that stadium for that team against this team, and it, you just and it's it's it, it's there. It's on the historical record. Weird things happen, <laughs> and what is it? It's it, it's when you you expect nothing out of Auburn. What do they do? They do they the play unexpected. Your butt off. Yeah. And that, you know, that could very well be the case Saturday. I don't think so, but you know what? But we've little, seen this We've seen this movie before, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to flip-flop the voodoo. What were the chances? What did you give Alabama at their own two-yard line with just minutes on the clock to go nine, the length of the field, score, tie it, win it at overtime? I mean, that's the voodoo back on the Crimson Tide sideline. Yeah, yeah. No, that was... Uh, the Ja'Cory Brooks catch? Do you remember Ja'Cory that? It was Ja'Cory Brooks, yeah. Uh. Where, where, where'd you go, Ja'Cory Brooks? Um, yeah, no, it, it was an uh, amazing effort. And that, to me, was the defining moment of Bryce Young's career at Alabama. If you kind of replay all of his great moments, and there were many... I think that one is number one to me. Um, and, you know, will there be something that – will there be a memorable moment coming out of this game? Uh, will Jalen Milroe do something that we'll be talking about years from now? Will um, – gosh, I don't know. Robbie Ashford have the game of his life somehow. Hoover kid. Um, it's, it's interesting to see who uh – the not so likely candidates have ended up being heroes of this game. It's pretty cool. Uh, but then again, you have your bows and your musos.
Hey, I want to tell you a story, all right? Let me tell you an Iron Bowl story. Because it was really the Iron Bowl. 1996, of course, kudos to Pat Dye for getting the game to Auburn. And that's why 1989 was so historic and incredible. And um, Auburn won, and they were the underdog. So there you go. There's another one of those. But when they did the mapping it out on how they were going to back to Auburn, how were they going to – they left a game or two, as Pat Dye said, we're going to throw them a bone. So the last Iron Bowl game was 1996, Legion Field, obviously. And as I recall, it was the first game I had been to in probably 20 years where I was not a working member of the, of the press. I sat in the stands with my good buddy, Ron Maxud, and a couple of other people that became my best friends over the course of the game. But, Lars, I unleashed myself. I wasn't sitting with my hands at my side, taking my notes, and thinking about how I was going to put together a story for the game. I cheered, and it was wonderful. And both teams were pretty evenly matched. Therefore, so was the game. But Alabama trailed with just a couple minutes left in the game. And that was a Gene Stallings coach team. And you know what that means. Run the football, run the football, field position, play back. Well, Alabama could not afford to do that with just a couple of minutes remaining in this football game. So, Stallings went to the offensive coordinator, Woody McCorvey. You know Woody. He's in your book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a fabulous man. But he was the OC at the time, and he said, Woody, how are we going to do this? And this is how it goes according to lore now. Woody said, if you'll let me put Freddie Kitchens in the shotgun like we've practiced a little bit and let me call some plays, we'll go down there and we'll score and we'll win this game. Well, unlike Stallings, he said, okay. And Freddie Kitchens, who was just a big well, – we all know Freddie. But as a player, he could throw a football through a car wash and not get it wet. And he was tough as a pine knot times two. Uh, I really, really liked him as a player. Uh, as many people said, Freddie Kitchens is a guy you want if you get into a bar fight. Except for Jay Barker's response to that is, no, you'd want me because I'd be sober. Great line. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, Kitchens got back in the shotgun and he just started picking Auburn apart. And Alabama drives all the way down to about the 20, 15-yard line. And he dumps a little screen pass out of the flat to Dennis Riddle, number 29. And he cut on a dime at about the five-yard line and he left the Auburn linebacker. I think his name was Rick Neal. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. And poor linebacker just fell. And he cut right back into the end zone. And I remember it so fondly because I was a fan. I didn't have to sit in my chair and just look from the press box. I stood up. Everybody went crazy. Everybody was hugging each other. Didn't matter if you knew them. Didn't matter anything. And drinks were spilling all over the place. Nobody cared. That was the last Iron Bowl game. Yeah, wow. That is a great story. Great story. Um, another great story is how 
amazingly, freakishly difficult Alabama's schedule is going to be next year. Just listen to this. I thought Currently, Alabama right now, they will play a pair of current top 10 teams in the college football rankings in Georgia and Missouri, right? They will play at Wisconsin, Tennessee, LSU, Oklahoma, and then you got the Iron Bowl, and then you got the SEC championship game, and then you have the possibility of four playoff games. It's a bit of a challenge. I am literally sitting here, jaw dropped. (laughs) as, As hard as that schedule would be on neutral sites to play the majority of them away. On the road. I mean, playing Tennessee and LSU on the roads enough to make a conference, make a you know conference schedule at enough. Wisconsin. We at just had Matt Finkus on the line. show. Matt Finkus just said hardest place I ever played was Wisconsin. Yeah. Camp Randall, baby, Badgers, Missouri, Georgia. Oh yeah, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma at Oklahoma at Oklahoma. It might be the one. It might be the, the toughest schedule I've ever seen. Frankly, I, 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 I'll I have would to. Agree. I'll, I'll have to like really do some analysis of this. And this comes from Mike Rodak. Made our buddy Mike Rodak made this point. It's just uh, unfathomably hard. Golly, I don't know if I've ever heard of such a thing. Wow. Georgia, Missouri, Wisconsin, Tennessee, LSU, Oklahoma, Iron Bowl, SEC Championship, possibly four playoff games. Are you looking at it right now? Because other than Wisconsin, who are their out-of-conference games? Is that right in front of you? It's not. Sorry. Okay. That's all right. Don't ever ask a question. You know that your partner can't answer. So. That a way to go on a Thanksgiving. Yeah, everybody be safe out there. A lot of traveling going on. Just everybody be safe and everybody have a joyous time with friends and family and enjoy the football. You and I will be mad. Yes, I'm a blessed man. Happy Thanksgiving. He'll propose to her. 